Welcome to the Schooling Pen, where we answer your horse training questions, groundwork and riding, beginner to advanced issues. This question comes from Stephanie, who has a 10-year-old ranch-bred quarter horse gelding. She gave us a little information about the ranch riding, trail, and obstacle competitions that she's done. She also mentioned in a recent class that she competed in, they included more difficult maneuvers and transitions in between obstacles um, that her horse kind of struggled with. And she's aware of the areas that her horse is struggling. She mentioned her horse definitely needs more work on transitions. Um, he's not changing leads as well as she'd like. And he just needs to improve his ability to maneuver in tight spaces in and around obstacles without losing cadence, without losing foot speed, um, and without just falling apart underneath of her. You know, just needs more natural collection. And she also mentioned that her horse isn't really maintaining a consistent foot speed at the jog or the extended jog. He's just not very confident there. He doesn't have a lot of consistency. Um, you can't just put him on autopilot, right? It, you can't just set the cruise control. He needs more work on speed control. Ultimately, she's also struggling with the fact that she's going to need to be able to ride and show this horse one-handed in the bridle. So her question really comes down to what kinds of exercises do I need to be doing with this horse uh, to, to get better, to improve in these areas. And the first thing that we're going to look at is transitions exercises. So while she'll probably end up having to go ride and show one-handed with this horse, it might prove valuable to go back and review a lot of uh, suppling exercises in the snaffle for a couple of weeks before transitioning back to the bridle. Um, I certainly wouldn't put him back in a smooth snaffle. I'd at least use like a regular twist or if it's an older horse that's particularly stiff, um, even in a twisted snaffle, maybe go up to a square mouthpiece or even a twisted square snaffle. So you have a little more leverage on your side. But going into the exercises, Stephanie certainly hit the nail on the head when she mentioned transitions. Lope to extended jog, lope to walk, lope to jog, all that stuff. And, and any kind of bending transition where you're drawing the horse around out of a lope or a jog into bending forward and around at the walk softening to your inside leg and inside rein or bend and draw transitions where you're using the inside and the outside rein softening the horse laterally and vertically so you've got his nose tipped laterally to the point of his inside shoulder but you're softening his neck vertically at the withers taking them into bending with vertical as you come down out of the lope into bending around and softening at either the jog or the walk also, do not underestimate the value of jogging lots of tight circles while softening the horse in this way, doing your bend and draw, especially as a warm-up exercise uh, to complement your bending at the walk. You know, you initially want to have, just in your program in general, for the next couple weeks, if I was taking a horse like this in for training, I would initially want to have a heavy focus on creating a lot of lateral shape and a lot of lateral softness, especially through the head and neck, the shoulders, the rib cage, um, just any kind of suppling and body control that I can be doing and any kind of circling and bending exercises and transitions where I'm bending the horse laterally, where I can create some shape there, softening him around my inside leg, basically making his spine align with the arc of the circle that I'm putting him on. So even if I'm still using a bit of draw to soften the horse vertically from the outside rein, you want to have the horse shaped on that arc, either right or left. His nose should be tipped either right or left, depending on if you're making a right or left circle. 
Um, and that's not to say that a lot of counterbending exercises wouldn't be valuable for this horse too. I'm just talking about bending transitions specifically. However, as a horse like this gets softer laterally, you need to start experimenting with taking less lateral bend and having the horse shaped less to the inside. You're going to have less bend through his rib cage and body. You're going to actually try to be keeping him more straight using both legs, both of your legs to drive the horse up into his face vertically, but you're using slightly more outside leg because you need to drive that outside rib cage and hindquarters up underneath you and keep his whole body more straight. You're trying to keep his spine, the horse's spine as straight as possible but those feet are still tracking around on an arc or on a circle. So you go from having a heavy focus on a lot of lateral bend. You've got the horse's body, the horse's spine shaped to the arc of the circle left and right. And he's super supple left and right. You go from that to practicing making tight circles and turns and having the horse vertically soft and collected, taking him deep in the bridle, driving him up to his face and keeping him straight and collected underneath you and still making your circles, but keeping his body straight. You're not allowing him anymore. At a certain point, you, you can't continue allowing him to kind of fold that outside rib cage out of the circle and kind of bulge out and sort of hang there. Um, because that, while it's important initially to break loose a lot of resistance, especially in the rib cage, if you stick with that too long, it's, it soon becomes a crutch to where the horse just kind of lazily will fold themselves onto that arc, bulge their rib cage to the outside, and just kind of lazily float around without really incorporating any sort of collection or, or any real softness off of your legs, right? It's much easier for that horse to collapse everything to the outside of the circle and just kind of lazily follow their nose. It's much more difficult for them to drive straight up to their face, shortening the distance between their nose and their tail, and staying vertically soft while their feet maintain that circle that you're putting them on, using their body more like a gate that's moving off of a hinge, right? But this isn't just about trying to root out stiffness either. If you're competing in a class like ranch riding, there's a particular look that those judges want to see, and that is a horse that's straight up in the bridle and stays straight. They're not overly bendy, they're not searching left and right every time that the rider applies rein or leg pressure. They want to see a horse that's straight and confident to be there between the reins and between your legs. So while you might need to revisit some lateral suppling just to root out resistance, break loose a lot of that stiffness with some bending transitions exercises, for example, you eventually want to start moving towards more vertical softness. You go from getting the horse to wrap around your inside leg and soften to now driving them straight up into their face without the training wheels of a lot of lateral shape, okay? Because a lot of lateral shape helps you create a soft feel and it's important in the beginning, but it eventually, like I said, it becomes a cop-out to true collection and true softness in the face, true softness throughout that horse's withers, true collection. So, you want to work on these transitions and you want to start establishing this stuff. You know, you want to start kind of having that development where you're, you're moving from beyond a stage where you're worried about lateral suppling, 
moving off your leg and, and basic bending transitions, you want to gradually move toward where almost simulating where the horse's body is going to need to be underneath you when you're riding in a bridle. You want to start making that transition while you're still in the snaffle riding two-handed because that allows you more opportunity to corral and correct the horse if they get stiff and resistant, they try to leave the circle, whatever they do, whatever mistake they make, you're fixing the body first before you upgrade the bit. That way you're not fighting the horse's inherent stiffness and things that you haven't corrected through the body, while at the same time, you're struggling with the horse's inexperience and lack of confidence and stiffness in the bridle itself. You can't win fighting a war on two fronts. Fix the major stiffness and body control issues in the snaffle, then move up to the bridle when the horse really understands what you're after. Do they have to be perfect? No. But they need to have a good grasp of how they need to handle, how they need to carry themselves and travel in the bridle before you even get to that stage and actually put the bridle in. So let's get back to the exercises. For example, in a lope to jog bend and draw transition, you're going to lope straight across the pin. Midway across, you're going to smoothly pick up on the horse vertically with both reins. Draw, draw, draw back to your hips, encouraging that vertical softness while relaxing your seat. You're allowing that horse to break down to the jog. However, you're going to have to gauge and adapt the amount of leg pressure you need to maintain impulsion during that transition when the horse is breaking down to the jog. You have to keep driving the horse forward up to his face. You can't just pull back on his mouth and allow his feet to piddle down to a walk while he shrinks back away from your hands. Keep him driven up there. Maintain some hindquarter push. Maintain some impulsion. Soften him vertically as he's breaking down into the jog. And you continue softening vertically as he's jogging forward. You, you actually keep him straight underneath you. you. Travel straight between your hands and legs as you jog, jog, jog for four to five strides after you've broken gait or more until he doesn't feel wiggly or anticipating underneath you. And then you transition onto your circle. So this is in contrast to a more basic beginner transition exercise like post and circle where you know, you lope the horse, say, say you're doing this at the lope, you lope them across the arena on a straight line, you sit down and relax your seat and you start tipping their nose one way or the other, depending on which way they lean, you want to counteract that and go the opposite way. And as the horse breaks down into the jog, you're immediately drawing them around onto a circle at the jog. Well, you want to create and then extend some distance between when the horse actually breaks down from the lope and when you actually start your circle. So you want to extend the distance that the horse travels straight after the change of gait. You're pushing the envelope on how vertically soft they're doing that transition and how far they can travel straight and relaxed underneath you without leaning, wiggling, or anticipating before you actually begin your circle. And then even on the circle, you're progressively, as we just discussed, you're progressively ratcheting up your demands for less and less lateral shape, but more and more ribcage straightness and vertical softness and the horse staying gathered up underneath of you. Another example of an exercise that paves the way for better handling in the bridle is what's called our loping and steering exercise. Luke and I use this exercise with a lot of horses, not only to teach the neck rein while still riding two-handed in a snaffle, but also rooting out a lot of issues revolving around stiffness, 
lack of collection, lack of cadence or speed control, especially when going from loping a straight line or a large circle to loping around a tight corner or loping a small circle. So if you can master the loping and steering exercise, you'll be amazed at how well your horse operates, especially at the lope, and how well they eventually start maneuvering one-handed when you get to the bridle. In stage one of the loping and steering exercise, we lope the horse straight across the pin, riding two-handed in a snaffle with the horse pitched away on a, on a loose rein. So we're not, as we call it, setting the table. We're not establishing a lot of vertical softness or getting the horse ready to steer. We're literally trying to isolate the outside rein. We're, we're trying to isolate that neck rein, and we're not preparing the horse or setting him up for it, okay? We're going to just let him lope on a straight line, on a loose rein, and at a certain point on that straight line, we're going to pick up and start laying the outside rein across the horse's neck, smoothly taking the slack out of the rein until we establish contact on that horse's mouth, and then we're going to draw, draw, draw that rein with steady pressure across the horse's neck. So for example, if I wanted to steer the horse left, I'll lay the right rein, on the right side of his neck and draw it across his neck with my right hand. So my right hand will end up actually passing over the top of the horse's mane and ending up just on the left side of his neck. Now what usually happens with this is as you go to pick up and draw that neck rein across, the horse is going to be confused. They're going to effectively fall apart. Their back hollows out, their head goes up, they're stiff, they don't, they're confused a little bit, they don't know where to go, completely fall apart. If they were loping nice and pretty and put together across the arena, that's not happening now. And you essentially do your best to continue with them, continue maintaining that neck rein pressure, because what you want them to do is actually follow that feel, find the answer, and actually move their shoulders and front end over. So like in this case, if I'm drawing that right rein across as my neck rein, I want his shoulders to move left. And I'm going to maintain that pressure until his feet actually find that door, find the answer, and go left. So you do have, in this case, your inside rein, which would be my left rein, that is kind of hanging out and not really doing anything when I initially pick up with the neck rein. My direct rein over there is... It's just kind of there to bail me out as a last resort. You know, if I'm trying to steer the horse left with the right rein, and he's completely been out of shape and confused and just totally running off, I'll stay with him the best I can, and I'll keep trying to isolate that neck rein. But as a last resort, I do have my other rein there to kind of tip his nose the direction I actually want him to go, kind of encourage him to find that left turn in this case. But ideally... I don't want to have to use that as a bailout. I want to isolate the right rein, and I want to challenge the horse to find the answer just off of that single rein pressure. It's obviously counterintuitive to everything we've done up to that point if the horse doesn't understand the neck rein. But I want to isolate it and draw a big, it's like taking a big fat highlighter in his mind and highlighting that sentence that says, and I lay that neck rein, your feet, your shoulders, your front end needs to immediately go that way. You find a starting point where the horse's shoulders just move over a, like a couple steps, you know. But you, you just try to find some semblance of the horse's shoulders actually following that feel of the neck rein. And he turns off the neck rein for a couple strides. I'll then take my outside rein, 
So going back to my example, my right hand has been drawing the right rein across his neck this whole time. He finally found it and his front end moved over. So what do I do? I take that right hand with that outside rein back across his neck. And now I'm going to draw both hands back to my hips. So I go from just using the outside rein and the neck rein and pushing him over there to when his shoulders move, both hands come back to my hips. I'm going to soften him up vertically with both hands on the circle. Okay. So if we just lope straight across the pin and then I steered him left at the lope, now I want to soften him up vertically on a left circle before letting him lope out straight again. And I'm going to stay on that circle until I feel him soften and commit. So I might have to lope straight across on a loose rein, pick up with the neck rein, draw, 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 wait. He finally found it. He moved his shoulders over and took a couple of strides. Now I go back to capturing his face vertically with both hands and I soften him up on a left circle. I might have to make three to four circles before he feels relaxed and put together and soft underneath me again. Then I'll let him out on the loose rein to lope back across the pin and set the exercise up again. I'm going to stay in there until he's relaxed and soft and he's making that tight left circle, but he's maintaining cadence. He's maintaining his foot speed. He's not trying desperately to break down to the jog. I'm driving him up into his face and he feels soft. So the steps to this exercise are you're loping straight across the pin on a loose rein. You pick up with the neck rein and you steer, draw, draw, draw across the neck. Horse falls apart, gets stiff, gets hollowed out, finally finds it and moves his front end over. At that point, you need to undo the damage that the neck rein just created. So you did steer his front end over, but he's all hollowed out. He's completely bent out of shape. Um, he's stiff, etc. So now you soften him back up and put him back together underneath you on that circle. And when he's finally relaxed on that circle, then you head off straight again. So you steer, horse falls apart, finally moves his front end over. Now you soften and then let him out again. So it's steer and then soften when the horse finds it. So you can do this exercise at both the jog and at the lope. And what it really teaches, especially at the lope, is the horse having cadence and confidence and staying soft and staying collected and put together and relaxed when you're either jogging or loping around tight corners, rounding the end of the arena or making tight circles. You'd be amazed at how much better your horse handles with a lot of this loping and steering exercise. Now, that being said, there are some different modifications you can make to this. One of them is for horses that are particularly horrible with this. I said before that we usually stress with these horses that we're teaching this to, you want to isolate the neck rein. So when you initially pick up on that outside rein and lay it across their neck, all you really care about is that their shoulders follow that feel and that their feet actually go left or right, right? You know, that their feet actually go the direction you're intending, at least for a couple of strides. That's what you're after. You care about the feet and what direction they're going. You don't really care about softness at that point. You're going to clean that back up after the horse actually finds the direction you want them to go. Okay. So their horses are pretty simple creatures. We need to isolate the neck rein. So it's a, it's contrasted with a big highlighter in the horse's mind. However, there are some horses that are so awful 
and just mentally resistant to this type of stuff that you have to first soften vertically as you're traveling across the pin. Like you have to draw back with both reins, soften them up, keep them straight between your reins and between your legs. When they're relaxed and soft, then you go ahead and apply neck rein. So you go soften, steer, and then soften again. It's like you make a softening sandwich. You set the horse up for it by softening them up vertically, establishing contact. You know, they're breaking over at the withers. They feel soft traveling across the arena at the jog or the lope. Then you can finally lay the neck rein. And then when they find the answer, they find the direction that you're wanting them to go, then you come back and soften them up again on the circle. Most of the time, we'll try to get this done with just steer and then soften. Other times, we'll have to go soften, steer, and then soften, usually with horses that have a really bad habit of tossing their head up high in response to any kind of bridle pressure, you know, that are kind of bracy and resistant, or on the other end of the scale, a horse that's really fractious and nervous about being picked up on, okay? So they're either very stiff to the point of, you know, throwing their head up or rooting the nose or, you know, threatening to rear in some cases, those type of horses, or it's a really fractious horse that is not confident to be picked up on, and that sudden neck rein out of nowhere would be too much of a shock for them because they're, they're going to be too nervous and wound up to actually think about what we're asking and where we're trying to get their feet to go. So we have to, in both of those cases, we have to set the horse up a little bit more by softening them up first, then laying the neck rein when they're more like prepared in the body, they're more put together and soft, then apply the neck rein. And then when their feet follow that feel, come back and soften them up on the circle. Ideally though, lay the neck rein first. But you know, the loping and steering exercise, once you teach the basic concept, you can play with it and modify it in so many ways. Travel at all different angles, diagonally or whatever, across the pin, um, you know, go just tracking across the arena and just whenever you decide to, you go to lay that rein, take the horse into a tighter circle, you're alternating between loping large circles and tight circles, loping straight across the pin, rounding the corner on a nice super tight circle. If they're kind of rushing or they're being stiff or, or you feel any kind of problems within that circle, you keep them in it for several revolutions until they soften back up and then you let them out. And a lot of your riding becomes playing with your horse's handling that way, especially at the lope, but the jog and the lope and transitions in between. Um, you're just playing with how they operate and changing their gait, changing their direction at different points around the arena. And you're always kind of judging how are they mentally handling this? How soft are they? How willing are they to relax when I pick up on them, establish contact, go to steer them here? Do they completely fall apart and hollow out and get all wonky? Or do they stay packing themselves around with confidence, collection, and smoothness? Um, that's something I, I wanted to mention earlier in, in a lot of the bending and bend and draw transitions. What, what creates relaxation and smoothness? Lots of repetition of those. And it's the same thing here with a lot of loping and steering and softening in and out of circles. Um, as much of that as you can do, both at a warm-up at the walk and jog and throughout your ride at the lope. Weeks of this being a big focus, if not the vast majority of each and every ride, is what it really takes to get a horse operating well, not just at the lope, but one-handed at the lope, where you need them to understand how to take some responsibility 
for maintaining softness and control in and out of tight circles, turns, whatever. And just teaching this horse to be mentally relaxed about being handled out there. But the look we often see in, in a lot of horses is almost like surprise when Sally rides him across the pen and goes to break him down into the jog and, and jog over some, some logs or whatever is in front of them. You know, it's almost like that horse wasn't expecting her to pick up just then. And so then naturally he's flipping his head and he's being resistant. He's, he almost is acting surprised about it, right? And he shouldn't be. We should have been in his face, manipulating him, handling, taking him out of circles, in and out of transitions, and just gotten him so mentally relaxed about that, that it doesn't matter where we put him, he's going to be confident and understand what's expected. Right? It's just like getting a horse confident with the circle or anything else that we're doing. Getting him confident to be straight on a rundown. Take some mental responsibility. Think ahead here. You know, think, be thinking that at any point she could be picking up on me, she could be softening me, so I've got to be ready. I've got to be carrying myself around in a soft and balanced way. I can't be flailing around like a hollowed out donkey and then have the nerve to act shocked when Sally picks up on my face to take me into a transition or over an obstacle or round a corner in a tight circle or whatever the case may be. These horses need to be expecting that we're going to be doing something. So a final note on the loping and steering exercise. When you get to a point that the horse is extremely confident and responsive with you picking up on that neck rein, and this is of course after you've done all your other softening, you've been preparing to put this horse into the bridle for weeks now, months in fact, uh, in an ideal world, but at least several weeks of hardcore softening, transitions, uh, you've been doing the loping and steering exercise, this horse is really responding well. How you can start really translating that into riding one-handed is you can start changing the angles that you're using your hands and reins. So going back when I said before, whether you're steering and then softening the horse up, or you're softening them up, preparing them, then laying the neck rein and steering, and then coming back, you can transition from drawing the reins back to your hips to progressively changing the angle to where it's higher and higher, and your hands are gradually closer and closer together, simulating the angle that you're going to be riding at one-handed. So you go from drawing your hands back towards your hips to kind of mid-stomach, and then kind of more up towards your chest a little bit. Your hands are closer together, and you're gradually pushing the envelope every single day of taking your hands a little bit higher up towards your sternum bone, up towards the top of your chest, and having them a little bit closer together until you're able to soften that horse effectively in and out of circles vertically with your hands up by your sternum. Because what that simulates is that when you go one-handed, you're going to be repeating the same loping and steering exercise except in a bridle and except one-handed. You're going to travel across the pin at the jog or the lope. At a certain point, you're just going to use one hand to lay that neck rein, draw, draw, draw that hand across, putting pressure with the outside rein, making contact with the horse's mouth. When he finds it and steps across, you're going to change the angle of your hand and rather than drawing it out to the side, you're going to draw up towards the top of your chest and soften him vertically right there. So when you're in the snaffle, you need to be constantly pushing the envelope to get into that territory to where you're simulating that angle. That way, when you go one-handed, it's a natural transition and the horse is right there for you. So you can start playing with that for several weeks, in fact, and you'll be amazed at how confidently your horse will operate in the bridle once you master that exercise.
All right, that's going to wrap up this segment. It ran a little bit longer than I anticipated, but I hope I got some good information. Thank you, Stephanie, for sending in this question. I hope this brought you some value, um, and I hope it brought value to others who might be listening who have similar issues. Very good question. Thank you, Stephanie, and thank you to everybody else who's listening. I'll see you next time.